And we are live. Hi there. I'm Dr. Christine Anderson and I'm Dr. Toxelra. We are here and we are so happy that you are here with us today as well. And welcome to your baby's brilliant brain. Uh, We are here to help educate you on how to optimize your baby's brain development from conception through the first few years of life and, of course, beyond. And today, I really am so excited about this broadcast today. First of all, because it's our first live broadcast, and our guest today is Dr. Carlos Ritter, and he has so much information you know, we are hearing so much about EMFs and 5G, and there's a lot of buzz around all this, but I I know for me, I'm still learning. There is so much information that we don't know, and then what do we do with all this information, right? Okay, it's one thing to find out it's a problem, but come on, technology isn't going away. Look what we're doing today. We're here (laughs) coming to you via computer, which is so great and exciting, but at the same time, we want to make sure that we're protecting ourselves as much as possible so that we can keep ourselves healthy and, of course, our children. So, um, Dr. Toxel, do you want to um, introduce Dr. Ritter? Yeah, so we are here today with Dr. Carlos Ritter. He is the CEO of EMF Nights. And so we're actually going to provide information for you down below. So that way, if you have further questions at the end of this for Dr. Ritter, you have a way to contact him. But as for now, thank you so much for coming on our podcast, Your Baby's Brilliant Brain, to talk to us about this really, really, really important issue. So Thank you so much for inviting me. (laughs) We're super excited to have you. And especially me, I actually don't know a lot about EMF technology other than what I've heard from various other people, they're either making fun of the idea that EMFs, especially 5G, could be harmful, or they're, they're of the idea that EMFs and 5G are going to be a big, big problem. So I'm so glad that we have you today because you are so well-versed in this. I believe you are um, a pediatrician and you have um, certain degrees in neurology as well. Or and Yeah, I, I, am a, I have three medical specialties. My first specialty is I'm a pediatrician. I got fascinated with the brain, so I applied and I got um, to, to the residency of uh, pediatric neurologist. And uh, after that I finished pediatric neurologist, I studied sleep medicine. So I have three medical specialties in the biological side. Yeah, you're like me. You go down a rabbit hole, you have a little bit of information or you're finding a need for your patients. And and then before you know it, you have, you know, so many specialties and letters after your name. And it's just a never ending thing because like, you know, the more you know, you don't know, and then you have to keep learning. Yeah. So that that's, makes, right. <laughs> that's why I wanted you on here because I know you've been doing a lot of research with this. This is not just stuff you're making up or, or hearsay. You've done so much work in this area, and um, I know we're going to learn so much from from you. And also for our listeners and, and people out here joining us, if you have a question, you can type it in the chat, and then we'll do what we can to get that question to Dr. Ritter if it's not been answered. And, uh, you know, this way it's, it's a group effort for making sure that the people out there are getting the information they want to hear. So... The first thing is really how you got into all of this. 
I know a little bit of your backstory, but I'd love for you to fill people in on how you arrived at the place that you are now. Perfect. Thank you so much. So I got here as a normal doctor, uh, practicing medicine like any other medical doctors around the world. So like I was saying, I, I graduated as a medical doctor and I had the opportunity to be a resident in pediatric. Um, back in those days, I believe everything that I was being fed from the medical field. I was a proud pediatrician. But I started studying a little bit more. And that's when my brain started, this doesn't make any sense. This doesn't make any sense. The more that you know, the less logic, the superficial answers make sense. So being a pediatric neurologist is exactly what brought me here. Uh, when I graduated and I started practicing in my private practice, I started accumulating a lot of patients with epilepsy and autism. For some reason, those were the main patients that went into my office. And um, I, was, I was fascinated with the electric system of the brain. So I kind of, I didn't study a subspecialty in neurophysiology, but I was fascinated with electroencephalograms. Electroencephalograms are the study that shows you the electric part of the brain. So I kind of um, got deep in that area, and that is when we start seeing, hey, wait a second, every single one of the chronic patients we have, and not just mine, not just neurological patients, but every single uh, chronic patient has something in common. It has disturbance in the electric system of the brain, and it has sleeping problems, diverse sleeping disorders. Back in those days, we didn't understand a lot. We didn't understand even why we sleep. Today, we can answer that question really easy. We sleep because we need to restore. Because if we can see inside of the cells, uh, Inside, we have DNA, we have enzymes, we have lipids, a lot of structures. But they were out as any other thing in this universe. Luckily for humans, we sleep, and that activates a lot of different biochemical pathways to restore, to repair, to repair broken pieces inside of our body. At the end of the day, when... Uh, we woke up in the morning, we need to feel amazing. We go through the day and we start getting tired. If we measure how many enzymes and broken and DNA is broken inside of the cells, we're going to accumulate some. But we're going to go to bed and we're going to repair those. So at the next day, we have a functional cell. That's a summary. At the end of the day, uh, Accumulating a lot of broken pieces will lead us to chronic illnesses. So neurology, sleep medicine, start teaching me something that we didn't know before. And going deeper, a little bit deeper in all these rabbit holes, like you said, um, we start discovering, hey, there's got to be a toxin 
that it doesn't act like a chemical toxin, like the normal toxins that we know that they, te- they teach us in med school, etc. This one actually acts as an electric toxin interfering with the electric system of the brain. Going a little bit deeper, I, of course, I'm a neurologist, so I was focusing on the brain, but I started opening a little bit more, um, and I saw the cardiological patients. At the end of the day, three main organs work with electricity. We can say that electricity is the first step to activation of biochemical pathways. One is the brain. Neurons communicate with electric impulses. The heart, we have a natural peacemaker, and that is how we pump blood. In the immune system, the immune system gets activated with gated voltage channels. At the end of the day, we start seeing that all these three organs were suffering more indifferently than the experiences that we had in the past. Hang on, so, Dr. Carlos. Yeah. Now, people are probably going to understand brain and neurons <laughs> okay, yeah. in the brain, right? And the electrical activity of the heart. This is that, you know, bump, bump, the AV node. It tells your brain, to, your heart to pump, bump, and then the next one goes down the ventricle and bump, right? Yeah. So we have the brain telling the heart to pump. Now, you said something about gated voltage channels. Now, yeah. That may be a new term, so let's maybe back up a second there. Let me say that the human body is so amazing that um, the whole unit is composed with um, a lot of different parts. So one of those ones, receptors we have in each cell, are very specific. Uh, they work in one specific area, and they trigger so many, so many biochemical cascades, etc. Sort of like a lock and key, just to sort of simplify it. I know that exactly, it's not exactly. Simple, but <laughs> at the end of the you day, have kind of a, a key going in a yeah. lock that turns it, and that it, it triggers a, exactly. a, a new path. Yeah, it is extremely more complex than that, but that is yeah. a good analogy. Um, yeah. So, yeah, going deeper and deeper and deeper, we start seeing that now we have more chronic illnesses attacking these three organs, the brain, whether it's mental issues or neurological issues, learning disabilities, uh, anxiety, or cardiovascular problems, high blood pressure, uh, cardiac arrhythmias, or immunological problems, whether it's low immune or whether it's a high hyperactive autoimmune disease. So we're talking about like 15, 20 years ago when things start to shifting and I had to go a little bit deeper in all these um, uh, specific receptors and things like that. All of them, at the end of the day, pointed that there was a toxin acting as an electric toxin. Back in those days, we didn't understand, is it in the water? Is it in the soil? Is it in the air? Is it what we eat? Because I was just a biologist, being a medical doctor, 
you're in the area of biology, I didn't understand any of the laws ruling electricity. So let me tell you really quick, I quit in one point of my life practicing medicine and, and tried to merge now the, the world of physics. So I did went to college again and I studied four years of physics, specifically quantum mechanics, particle physics, and heliophysics. And the reason why I did that is because I needed to understand this electric loss Coulomb loss, it's a new name, <laughs> but it's a law in physics that rules how electric fields behave between each other. At the end of the day, it was very important for me as a medical doctor to understand, is it my enemy an electric toxin? And if it is, how and where it's coming from, how it gets into my patients and what can I do? in order to prevent more exposure of my patients to these toxins. So that is my path. That is exactly how I did. It was a long journey. <laughs> but right now is a journey that is very rewarding because a lot of things that didn't make sense a few years ago, it makes sense now through the logic of how things get connected to each other. Yeah, it, it is incredible, uh, you know, that you started this 20 years ago and started seeing it then, because I'm sure now, if you were in practice, you would be seeing it way more because I know yeah. I have. And I do spend a significant amount of time talking to my patients and educating them about toxins, including what's going on with EMFs. Yeah. So I wonder... If we could maybe have you really concisely sort of make, um, put a definition to things like EMF and okay. what, is, what exactly is it, okay. what are we talking about so that we can sort of put this in context instead of this just intangible thing out there? Exactly. It, it is, at the end of the day, um, when we require electricity, this electricity has to be transporter, transporter uh, through a cable. So we have wires in our houses. We have power lines that goes from power stations or power plants to power stations to your house. Every cable that carries a current electricity inside will produce an electric and magnetic fields around. If we as humans are in close proximity to these cables, we will absorb that field. That explains one part of EMFs. So anytime that we're close to a cable with electricity, we will, well, that cable will have an electric and magnetic field. The closer that we get, the more absorption that we can get from that invisible field. Um, now, there's other ones. These ones, we, we tend to classify them as a low frequencies electromagnetic fields. Electromagnetic field um, is not just one thing, but is now I have to subdivide it to understand how they behave. How come I can say that EMFs is this, but at the same time I can say that EMFs is that? 
Now let me explain the second one. Every time, well now, we use this wireless technology for a lot of things. I mean, it's convenient. And luckily for us, it has one side effect. But if we have one device, and I'm going to put my finger kind of like this. <laughs> Imagine that this is an antenna. This antenna is broadcasting a signal. Again, these signals are invisible. If I ask somebody, hey, could you see signals from Wi-Fi? Mm, no, I can't. It doesn't mean that we don't have Wi-Fi. We can prove it because we can just connect our phones or, or computers to Wi-Fi, but we don't see waves going through. Um, that means that one antenna is sending a signal, and it's sending the signal to everywhere, 360 degrees in, uh, from that antenna. But that antenna is a, uh, 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 an antenna needs a receptor, a second antenna. So imagine cell phone antenna, this one, and cell phone. So they communicate to each other, and the problem is that we're in between. My first question when I was trying to understand this is, it's invisible, so maybe it's not there. No, it is there because I can measure it and because I can use it. Now, we are sharing the air with those antennas. At the end of the day, they will travel probably like 42 miles from antenna to antenna. Different from the first type of EMF that I said, electric cables, they don't go that far. Let me just say like this. Probably if these cables, let's imagine power lines, the big structure power lines, those ones, sometimes they carry 750,000 volts. It's a lot of power in there. The magnetic field that they produce, sometimes it goes beyond a mile. But, so whoever is a mile away from those things is receiving that field. But imagine that we have cables in our houses, and those ones just carry 120 volts. Here in the States, we use electricity at 120 volts. So the, the radius of that field is shorter, but it's closer to our houses. So if you see, the two main uh, differences between EMFs is low frequencies close to the cable, and just from the cable, and the other one, high frequencies from antenna to antenna. Those are the two main ones. Then we have a subdivision, but I don't want to talk about that subdivision <laughs> right now, so, so I don't confuse it uh, more. <laughs> well, and I had a question, too, because one thing I've heard is everyone goes, well, the Earth has an electromagnetic field. Yes. That's how it protects us from the sun. So how can an electric, you know, how can that be bad for us then? How is it yeah. any different from what the earth generates for us in order to protect us from those solar rays Perfect. and all of that? So details are very important in this area. And uh, to, to explain this, I'm going to try to do it fast, but I have to go and get so many variables again. The earth actually uh, sustains life. This earth is made to sustain life. So we have some enemies through this air. 
things that will deprive life if we don't have protection. Um, cosmic rays. Let me just say this really quick. I hope that I don't lose anybody. But when we talk about electromagnetic spectrum, we have to divide it first in two main things. One of them is nuclear radiation. Everybody knows what nuclear radiation, because we have nuclear plants, because we have some accidents in the past, Chernobyl, Fukushima. So nuclear radiation is radiation that is extremely powerful. Well, it turns out that we live in this universe and we have cosmic rays. Those cosmic rays, the sun as well, not just the sun, but cosmic rays as well, will be extremely harmful for the, the earth, for the humans, that we, the earth would be deprived unless we have one shield against that. Whatever we have, and this is a, a paper that it just came like five years ago, we thought in the past that the core of the earth, it was iron. Well, one brilliant physicist uh, from Texas, <laughs> you, you're in California, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This brilliant physicist is from Texas. I'm in Texas too. <laughs> um, and so um, he said, no, it's impossible that we have iron in the core of the earth. We have to have a geonuclear reactor. That makes sense because the earth is extremely old and we still have that magnetic field. Mm -hmm. the, the earth's magnetic field and this pattern is extremely powerful. Well, it turns out that it goes from the core of the Earth all the way to the crest, but it's being filtrated. At the end of the day, the main purpose of our magnetic field is to create uh, a shield around the Earth that is called Van Allen rings. These Van Allen rings traps radiation. At the end of the day, uh, the way that they go through the, the, the crest Uh, where we are standing, is every 2.4 meters, we have a 10 centimeters. I'm sorry that I'm using metric uh, units, but that's the way it is in physics. So um, 10 centimeters uh, is what the magnetic field is. And yeah, kind of like that. And it separate every 2.4 meters. A lot more bigger. <laughs> so um, at the end of the day, We're exposed, we shouldn't be exposed to a lot of magnetic fields, but we're not exposed 100% of whatever we're stepped in. The Earth is extremely smart that if you step in one of those lines, you will receive a magnetic field. But if you step outside of that line, you will give to the Earth that capacitation that you just get. So the Earth has a magnetic field, but at the same time has the remedy for you not to get so sick. Mm. It is a little bit more complicated like than that, but I guess at the air, at the air. So yeah. So what I'm hearing is that there, like everything else, it seems with life, there's homeostasis and balance. Yes. The earth That's gives right. off a magnetic field, but it's also receiving. So it's almost like, this is why we talk about the grounding effect of, yeah. Our feet exactly. in earth, it's, it's drawing that energy back down into the earth. Exactly. Now, we as a humans, we're, uh, every electric and magnetic field is going to interfere with our electric systems. 
But the Earth, again, it was so smart that the Earth has their own magnetic field, and that's it. There was no room for more. Now humans, we start messing up with things, and we're creating man-made electromagnetic fields. So at the end of the day, our threshold is not that high. When we surpass that threshold is when we start seeing disturbances. So at the end of the day, yes, we do have a magnetic field in the earth. It's protecting us. It's not as good, but the earth as well protects us from that, uh, that same magnetic field. But whatever we're doing is putting man-made electromagnetic fields in a in a amount that is beyond my well beyond the numbers that everybody understands beyond numbers that you're comfortable with us being exposed <laughs> yeah. to <laughs> yeah that's right well and that brings me to because again there's these different sides and so but we've had it hasn't been 5g we had 4g for a while that's why i'm like i'm not really yeah. understanding like so 5g how much more magnetic or how much more of that what would you call okay. it current feel no they're, they're powerful exposed to versus what we had been exposed to i think for the yeah. last they were doing 4g well, or 3g it's an evolution yeah. it was 3g it, it, then it went to 4g right. now yeah. 5g so why now with yeah. it becoming 5g is this becoming more and more talked about and more and more people are kind of wary of it i would say yeah. that versus you know i didn't hear anything about 3g or 4g nobody seemed to have a problem with it so what's yeah. what's so, the problem with 5g let me, let me try to give an analogy and now i'm going to use nuclear radiation in nuclear radiation we're going to call it ionizing radiation and these technology and, and just for our, our listeners out there ionizing radiation would be like x-rays yes kind of radiation. Of, yeah, yeah. And in non-ionizing radiation, it's all these communications that we have. So let me give one example. At the end of the day, again, everybody knows what a, a nuclear reactor is. If me as a human, I get inside of a nuclear reactor right now, they don't allow me to go there because they know that it's extremely uh, uh, terrible, so they don't allow you to go there. But let's suppose that I can get in there if I step inside of a nuclear reactor and I stay there for 10 minutes, I'm going to die. I'm not going to die right away. Probably I'm going to die in a year from now. And I'm going to die having malfunction in every single one of my organs because radiation is going through everywhere in my, my body. Probably I'm going to have... Uh, depletion of my red cells, my white cells in the in the blood. I'm gonna have liver dysfunction, kidney dysfunction, and maybe at the end of the day, I'm gonna die from cancer because DNA is being destroyed and mutations are happening. But at the end of the day, ten minutes of exposure of a extremely powerful uh, radiation will uh, will kill me. Just Time, not right away. Just not right away. I'm going to see the effects right away, probably the, uh, the first three hours, three days mm -hmm. top, but I'm not going to die right away. Now, this is because the nuclear 
power is extremely high. It's one of the most powerful. Gamma rays is one of the most powerful that we, we see. Every particle carries a huge amount, I'm going to say a word, electron volts. This is how we measure energy. So it is the one that has the most electron volts, the most energy harmful for us. Now, if we compare this to 5G, 3G, etc., it's almost exactly the same, except that it needs a long, long period of time to do the exact same amount of damage. Mm. Maybe 10 minutes in a nuclear reactor, it would be the equivalent. It's not exactly like that, So, uh, but it's just for example. 30 years of exposure of electromagnetic fields from power lines in uh, high frequencies. If you see, it's almost the same, but in, I need more exposure to get the same results than the one that carries more energy. The definition that we have of ionization and non-ionizing is the, the biological effect that it can do once that it goes through a biological being. One particle goes through my, my, my body and one of them is going to ionize it right away when the other one is going to take 20 years to ionize it. But at the end of the day, they do exactly the same harm. Mm. Now, what is the difference between 2G and 3G? Well, it's frequency of the, of the waves. And if I, if I can explain, let's suppose, what is frequency? Because this is one question that everybody asks and everybody has different uh, interpretations about that. Let's suppose that I have one electron in here. If I don't put any energy in this electron, this electron will stay put. It cannot move. It's impossible, but oh, it's just for an example. But if I give to this electron extremely small amount of energy, it's going to move as a wave, but the wave is going to be really big. It's going to mm -hmm. be as big as a mountain probably. So it's going to have big crests and big valleys. This is because it has low amount of energy. But let's suppose that I recovered the same electron and now I apply more energy. So now it's going to have a smaller wave, carries more energy. So if it collides with my body, it's going to release more energy than the previous one. At the end of the day, the shorter, the shorter the wavelength, this crest and in valleys, um, the more energy it has. And 5G is a wave that measures millimeters versus the other ones that measure centimeters. Really big, the other one, like microwave ovens, mm. 10 to 8 to 10, 12 centimeters versus one that measures millimeters. So at the end of the day, the cumulative effect makes, uh, it matters. But if we start having more waves 
that carries more energies, we're going to see a, uh, an increase of the damage that we've been seeing before. And the last thing that I want to say in there is we as humans, we accumulate all the, the, the toxicity that we've been exposed to. And one example, it could be, imagine that I was born and the first eight years of my life, I was living in the house underneath power lines, the ones that I was describing. There's big structures that carry 750,000 volts. Maybe I didn't get sick back in those days, but that's part of me now. That is my exposure. Now that I live with my wife in, in this house, we're exposed to the same things together, but my background and her background are different. So these, uh, talking about electrotoxicity, the cumulative effect matters. And that is why we see people with different symptoms, people who actually get sick, uh, and we can relate it to this, and people who doesn't. Um, because our backgrounds and the, the experience that we have is completely different. If I can attach one more thing, this is my third specialty. It turns out that we sleep because we need to restore. So it's a balance. Imagine that um, I'm 100% right right now, 100% okay. Uh, I start my day with 100% of my enzymes perfectly well, DNA, they're going to wear out. But luckily for me, I'm going re, re, to replace the broken pieces and I'm going to start the day next day with 100%. If I have that combination, then probably I'm not going to develop any chronic illnesses. But electromagnetic fields destroy the restoration pathways. Mm. That's how actually I, I got in here. My, I, if you remember, I said, the patients that I see, they have something in common. They don't sleep properly. I did, and I didn't prepare for this talk, but I, hopefully someday we can do more. But I accumulate a lot of um, uh, tests, electroencephalograms, sleep studies. One thing that I did in my practice is every time that I have a new patient, I do this, the clinical history of the patient, explore, blah, blah, blah. And I took one electroencephalogram and one sleep study as, a, as just the, the, the very first sample that I have from those patients. And then I give one treatment, always one variable. I never try to do more than one variable because if you give more variables, then you don't know what, what function and what didn't. So I always give one variable and I measure again EEGs every three months hmm. and sleep studies every year. And it was fascinating to see. At the end of the day, uh, yeah, the electric system gets uh, interference with all the toxicity that we have around. What were the age groups um, that you were seeing? So, for, because I know you're you're yeah, seeing children. So yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm a pediatrician. So um, I, with EEGs, I, I guess that 
in that part of my, my life, when I start practicing sleep medicine, I start seeing some adults too. Not as a, the doctor of the adults, but as the head of the department of, of, of polysomnography. Um, so pretty much all my, my patients were kids. I don't know, between two years. And you know what? I, I need to check exactly what is the age group that I have. I didn't have that many uh, teenagers. It was always like around uh, 2 to 13, I guess. Uh, I did see teenagers. But um, uh, And then I started seeing adults, not, not as a doctor, but as the, the polysomnogram uh, uh, area, trying to understand the sleeping patterns. So, um, so with your kids mm-hmm. and you were doing these EEGs before treating them, maybe just talk a little bit more about that since our podcast is, yeah. is to educate parents of, of newborns and young children and even the effects of what we do early on and what that affects later on. And maybe just speak to what you saw with these EEGs, some of the changes you made, and then some of the changes you saw in those electrodes. I I think that I really need to show them. Um, But um, at the beginning, now, let let me say, I I, want to answer this question with with an analogy of me. (laughs) When I was born, I'm 48 years old. So I was born in 1972. In 1972, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have a lot of technology. Probably I was just exposed to electric and magnetic fields from wires. That's it. Um, At the end of the day, a newborn, well, a baby who is in the womb, needs the right environment. Zero toxins, because toxins can... And um, prevent a good developing of the of the brain. The first years of a life, the first fifteen years of a life, it need to be with almost zero exposure to toxins. Of course, now my main toxins are electromagnetic fields. So I guess that I gave my brain the opportunity to develop during the first years of my life because I wasn't exposed to so many things. Comparing that with kids these days, whatever I see these days is that a mom that gets pregnant is already blasted. Um, Let me tell you what I do right now, exactly what is my practice. So whatever I do is I measure houses. Because we were saying that electromagnetic fields are invisible, we have a problem. Who knows if you're exposed or not? You cannot just, hey, yeah, I'm exposed. No. So I had, I developed a protocol to try to measure if you have exposure in your house. And I want to measure all types of radiation. Well, whatever I see right now is a huge exposure in everybody's house. Some has less exposure, some has more. But at the end of the day, um, as parents, I'm, I'm telling Today, the, the parents, you really need to, to go deep and try to learn these things. I know that you were saying, hey, somebody says this, somebody says that. But I guess I'm a parent. I have three kids. My responsibility as a parent is I need to be informed because I'm the one that protects them. 
if I believe that I'm protecting them, but at the end of the day, I'm wrong, I'm not protecting them. Even if I believe in the core, I'm doing the best. So um, my advice in here is listen to guys who go to med school and then physics school <laughs> that knows what they're talking about and dig deep in what are the toxins that can be exposed to your kids. Electromagnetic fields is one of the big ones. And whatever we don't want is to have a big amount of exposure into a little baby or a newborn or some teenager that is developing. Taking away some sources, it, it makes a little bit of a difference. And, and the example would be, I was saying before we started the, the, the podcast, that all my computers are hardwired. Mm. My house, of course, I'm, I'm a freak about radiation. So I got this house and I shield the house perfectly well. I got this house and let me, let me say this story. I, I hope that I don't, uh, it relates with some parents. When I first moved to Austin, I live in Austin, Texas. When I first moved here, I went with my realtor and I told her, hey, please don't hate me. But I have all these meters, and I'm going to measure every house that you show me. She did hate me. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> she did. So I, I ended uh, measuring every house, and two weeks later, I, I ended in the outsides of Austin because there was less antennas, less cell phone antennas, less forms of exposure, um, I have one antenna 1.4 miles away from my house, but it was the only one. I have a green belt in the back of my house, so I have to worry about just one antenna. I shield my house, and I don't allow any wireless devices in here. It doesn't mean that I don't have technology. I have technology without exposing my kids. I was saying, I have internet, I have a faster internet because I hardwire everything so I can deliver perfectly well to each computer. My kids, they want cell phones. I don't allow them to use it that much, but there's one adapter where you can hook the, the cell phone into a hardwire. So they're doing the Snapchat and all the things that teenagers do without being exposed. At the end of the day, whatever we have to do is we have to learn the more that we learn, the more options we have, the more the best decisions we can do to protect our babies, to protect ourselves. And, and, and at the end of the day, having the less amount of exposure, almost zero exposure when we sleep, mm. uh, and the least amount of exposure when we're out there in the world. That is that that would be the, the thing that I want to tell parents. So how do you do that? How do you make okay. your home, your sanctuary and your, the, the, the bedroom be <laughs> safe as possible. <laughs> so, Especially living in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, we don't I have a belt in our backyard, right? <laughs> I know. So, of course, one option that people can do is to get away from the wireless internet and actually hook up. You're hooked up directly to your modem, if what I'm understanding, yeah. hardwiring. Yeah. Correct? That's okay. right. All right. It's and, faster. Mm -hmm. 
you get more reliability on your devices and you don't expose that much. Let me tell you what I did. At, at the end of the day, um, it's a game of numbers and it's a game of kind of physics numbers. You have this exposure, so you have exposure to 10. Well, you need to protect to 12. So whatever you have to do is you have, um, one thing that I do is I shield houses. And what does, that, what the does world. that mean, Car- uh, Dr. Yeah. Carlos? What do you mean uh, you shield houses? I like picture a big blanket like over the Kind of like that, but I use the walls. <laughs> I use the walls. Uh, I put some uh, particles in the, in the walls. Hmm. I don't like to call it. What do you mean particles? Yeah. Not lead, right? You don't put lead in the walls. <laughs> imagine, imagine that it's kind of paint. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you this. Um, a lot of people will know. Do you know these airplanes from the military? Uh, they're invisible to the radar. Hmm. Uh, these airplanes that can go to war zones and the radar doesn't know that they're there. The stealth radar, the stealth planes or something like that. <laughs> something like that. I don't know the name, yeah. but it turns out that those planes are, have particles. Carbon is one of them. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens is that when the radar shoots a signal, the plane, instead of reflecting that signal back to the radar, absorbs it. Mm-hmm. So it just keeps it for himself. So the radar doesn't know that there's something in there. Kind of like the same thing. I I put some particles like that, kind of like paint. I don't like to call it paint, but it would be the best analogy. And whatever I do is I mix cobalt, uh, carbon, graphite, and, and depending of what is what is coming from the outside to the house, how um, uh, strong are the wires inside of the wall, I can make a combination and I can defeat that electromagnetic field to get in inside of the living space. So I use the walls. Uh, right now I'm in my room and let me tell you, sometimes you need more than one layer. Radiation sometimes is not, uh, it's not as friendly <laughs> to humans. So I have, a, we have a lot. Um, my so- walls... Yeah. Is this something that you've made yourself or is this something that people can like find and apply? Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. Um, yeah. Just trying right to help. Now, yeah, like I know. Right yeah. now, right now is, it's kind of like not a do yourself thing for so many reasons, because the first thing is, how do you know what is the radiation amount that you have, where it's coming from? Hopefully one day, if you invite me again, um, I can show a report mm. and I can show what is what we measure. And uh, I give very specific information where it's coming from. The, the first thing that I give is, do we have radiation in the house? Yes or no? Oh, well, yes. Okay. If the answer is yes, I need to know what type, mm. where it's coming from how powerful it is, latitude and longitude, where it is exactly leaking into my house and where is ricocheting. How do I absorb it? I measure air pollution and human absorption. I want to know my kid, 
when it's sleeping in this room, in this bed, how much absorbs? Those are the things that are very important because if I have that information, I can shield and I can prove this was before and this is after. That is the, the beauty about this that is measurable. So, so I can you're, you're measure making, it. You're making up this proprietary sort of mixture of shielding specific to each house that you're measuring and you do come out and and do these analysis you do travel and do that correct yeah yeah i went not long ago to to los angeles well, <laughs> and i measure a few right here either that <laughs> or i know too that you do train individuals to yeah. do you so i really want to get my husband on board with that would be amazing Picking your brain because he is an electronics technician and we've had discussions and okay. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> but there, is a, there is an interesting thing. I want to just run this by you. So yeah. uh, before, before all this, this went down, actually, we were coming back. We actually got back from New Zealand about a week before the lockdown in LA. Okay. While I was in New Zealand, we were at a farmer's market and I love crystals, which of course we're talking about energy and vibrations and, and what they can do. And so I know about shungites. I don't know if you know about shungite, but I, it's, I do, I do. It's very carbon based and yeah. I bought a lot of it and I have, I have some of it near my bed and some near the computers <laughs> and some I can wear and some on the phone. And, and I actually bought shungite powder the um, the guy who was selling it, he was telling me that they put it actually in paint and paint beehives oh. so that, I guess, it protects the beehives from EMFs. And the people actually go in where the paint is and almost sort of like even collect it on their body. So hmm. I thought that was super interesting. Mm, it is interesting. I've never heard. Wow, this is really cool. And I still have the powder sitting there. I don't know what I would do with it. But, um, maybe we can use it in an alchemy form for our home in protection. Yeah, you know, crystal, I love crystal. I, I have to say I love nature because I'm a scientist. I love nature now because now I understand how, how the, the earth sustains life. So whatever is some rocks, whatever they do is they absorb EMFs. Problem is that they we have so many that they they um, they absorb only so much, right? right. They saturated. Yeah. But uh, if you ground them, wet it in there, ground them, they discharge and you can use them again. Yeah, you have to clear them, clear the. You energy. have to clear them. Yeah. Um, uh, let me tell you one thing. So I went and measured the office of one of my clients and he have huge rocks in his office. So I was measuring and my meters were nuts doo, 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 everywhere. <laughs> Except when I got to the rocks, the rocks were absorbing. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 um, um, they saturate. But one thing that I did when another client is we ground permanently, permanently ground the rocks so now it's grounded every second of the day. See, I love learning about that. I'll have to ask you how you did that because yeah, it is very interesting. So yeah. again, combination of different different materials, uh, copper, 
in uh, it's an alloy copper and gold uh, absorb a lot of these fields so at the end of the day whatever i do is i shield houses and i ground what what we call medical grade grounding system it's a grounding system that absorbs way more fields it has less resistance ohms and um i attach it to the walls and and uh, um and the walls are absorbing and reflecting radiation five different properties i hope that i don't confuse reflection no, i'm i'm actually really interested in this obviously absorbing yeah. taking in reflecting yeah. is is bouncing off so yeah. go ahead so reflection polarization polarization means that when a wave goes through uh, an object it releases some of the energy and i capture that energy and i send it to the ground uh refraction refringence and and absorption so i play with all these properties i guess it is kind of like in anything in this world medicine let's use the example if i am a medical doctor and i have a new uh, patient I try to make my diagnosis. If I do a right diagnosis, maybe I'm going to give the right treatment. But if I, from the very beginning, I start with the wrong diagnosis, I'm going to mess up this whole thing. Right. So I've been developing. uh, This really begs the point that I'm trying to get across. Sometimes a little information can be dangerous. Yes. And this is why I haven't really done so much yet with remediation of our house. I've been thinking about it. I've been studying it. I've attended 5G summits. Okay. I've been listening to people like you. I've been talking to my husband. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you are just doing it sort of willy-nilly, you can actually increase and magnify that electromagnetic radiation in your home. Let's just say like you're shielding and you don't leave an outlet. It's just bouncing around and pinging off you. It is. Exactly. And with the metering, it's a little bit more complicated than just walking around the house with a meter if you are maybe not measuring correctly, you may not think an area is a, a hot spot or a problem. That's and then, right. And then you think you're okay. So. That's right. let, let me tell you what is the first mistake. And, and this is why I'm, I'm trying to tell people physics is whatever rules in this area. Um, um, I have a lot of meters. And of course, all the meters that I have are professional grade meters. Um, I had to go to Europe just to learn how to use some of them. But um, the meters, at the end of the day, is not the thing that give me the whole entire result. I have to come back to my computer and run equations. Whatever I do is I measure, I try to have a variable that I can just grasp um, uh, some information. So I measure a house, even if I know that I'm going to shield only your room, I have to measure the whole entire house because I need to know exactly what happened in every single corner of that house. The second thing is I measure it with a variable, one time with electricity and one time with no electricity. Hmm. In physics, if you can compare two different sets of, of, of measurements, you can start asking questions. 
once that I have all this information, I come back to my house and I run equations. What is what Coulomb's law said about this? It's just an example. And let, let me say, Coulomb's law says how one electric field interacts with another one. And I'm going to say it. Please don't get confused. <laughs> don't hate me for this. But Q1 times Q2 oh boy. over You're 4 pi epsilon now. zero. <laughs> <laughs> one over R squared. Well, it turns out that it's a law. It's a law that we cannot break. But it's a law that I use to understand how some waves behave to each other. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you another thing about the meters. Let's suppose that this is one of antennas. And uh, I have one wave coming from this side. And this wave's measure five. When it reaches my meter, it's going to say in here five, the number five. Okay, so it's correct. It's measuring correctly. But what happens if I have two or more waves colliding. If I have one from this side and it measures five, and another one from this side and measures five, usually my meter is, gonna, is not going to tell me 10. What it should tell me is going to tell me zero. So they, they uh, interfere with each other and they cancel. How I, how I know if whatever I'm measuring with my meters is the right thing or is the effect of these waves canceling each other? So we have some equations for that. At the end of the day, the, yeah. the success of my, my, my the, the measurements that I do is all the physics that I put in there. And I'm trying to understand the reality. I do it in a way that now uh, these calculations tell me where it's coming from what type of antenna and what frequencies are they uh, uh, emitting of? So, you know, at the end, you know that this specificity speaks to me because, um, and I think Dr. Tox will agree. Same thing when we have patients come in. I'm nosy. I want to know everything. If yeah. even if they think it doesn't matter to what you know, uh, you know, they're coming in with a headache, and I'm looking at their feet. Well, what the heck do, <laughs> yeah. what do my feet have to do with my head? Everything is connected. <laughs> everything is connected. So uh, you know, this is why. Again, I wanted you to come on here because if we're if we know that EMFs can affect our health, and I, I re, we're going to start touching on that right now. <laughs> We know they can affect our health and we want to do something about it. We want to make sure, like you said, that we're doing the proper remediation. 